coffee? Oh, thanks. How did you sleep? Ugh, like a baby. I don't want to get out of bed. Ever. These sheets are mm, incredibly soft. What did you say they're called again? Performance bedding by Sheiks. <laughs> performance bedding? <laughs> yeah. They're made from super high-tech performance fabric. They're incredibly breathable, so you're not waking up at night throwing covers off and then an hour later throwing them back on. Huh. No wonder I slept so good. Since I started using Sheiks, I sleep like a baby. No more sweaty nights for me. No? Well. <laughs> well, I like them because they're soft. They feel like, mm, silk. Performance fabric, huh? Maybe we should... Oh, I don't know. Try them out again. <laughs> <laughs> Comfort and performance for better sleep. That's Sheiks. S-H-E-E-X. Sheiks. Try Sheiks for 30 nights risk-free. Go to sleepcoolnow.com. Use promo code 1212 and get $40 off any sheet set. That's sleepcoolnow.com, promo code 1212. Sleepcoolnow.com, 1212. This is our number two on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network, where for the past two years plus, each and every Sunday night, we've talked about the news of the week, the events of my often bizarre life, and where we provided you with a three-hour oasis of honesty and rationality in the desert of insanity and deceit, which is the American media, cultural, and political landscape. My name is John Ziegler. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. If you go to freespeechbroadcasting.com, you can check out the rather extensive column I wrote for Mediate and released just a few hours ago, which explains why this is the final live broadcast of the Free Speech Broadcasting Network currently heard across this formerly great nation of ours. It's like a lot of things, a very complicated situation, but I think I've explained it fully in that column, which you can check out at freespeechbroadcasting.com. I'll talk about it on the air as well a little bit later on in this hour. But if you go to freespeechbroadcasting.com, another column you can check out deals with really the, the biggest news story of the week. I guess there are two, and they're very much related. The first element of that is the fact that Donald Trump, President-elect Donald Trump, has selected Exxon CEO Rex Tillerson as his Secretary of State. Now, this was something that, <laughs> and only John Zickler could do this, this both made a prediction that I made come true and a prediction that I made be false. The prediction that it made come true was that when Mitt Romney's name was first introduced as a major candidate, I predicted in writing, in my column at Mediate, that neither Romney nor Rudy Giuliani who were the two major candidates at the time, would get the gig. And my philosophy on this was that if Romney was really a serious candidate, then Rudy really wasn't going to be one, and that he couldn't go back to Rudy after meeting with Romney, especially a second time, but that he wouldn't pick Romney, one, because it would be politically stupid to give an arch enemy who knows that he's a fraud the power to effectively discredit his entire presidency by resigning at any moment, as Romney could do, because Romney is both old and rich. You know, I mean, even Trump's smart enough to know you don't hand an old rich guy who has nothing to lose and can walk away in a heartbeat the power 
the weapon, if you will, to eviscerate your own presidency, especially when that guy already knows that you're a scam artist, a con man, a fraud. But I also just didn't think that something that dramatic was going to happen after there was this much time to think about it, this much time for Newt Gingrich and Mike Huckabee and Rudy Giuliani and Kellyanne Conway to go on Fox News Channel and rip on Romney and warn Trump about him. And so that part was right. I was skeptical last week, although I changed my mind in the middle of the show because there was another report from Fox News Channel indicating that Tillerson was going to be the guy. But at the beginning of last week's show, some of you may recall that I I was skeptical that Tillerson would be the guy because it seemed utterly insane to go with Tillerson, who is literally a friend of Vladimir Putin, having received a major award for being a Putin buddy, and go with him immediately after the CIA had just publicly confirmed that Russia and Putin had hacked into our election process for the purpose of electing Donald Trump. Now, I realize that Trump breaks all the political rules, some on purpose, some not, although he gets credit for being a chess player when I think most of the time he's just playing checkers and gets lucky. I don't know if there's any chess going on here. It This just seems like him not caring, or maybe he really is a stooge for Vladimir Putin. But in a normal world, in a normal world, <laughs> the CIA making their, their pronouncement, and by the way, being backed up a couple days later by the FBI, which at first was hesitant to go along, but now apparently the FBI backs the CIA in their conclusion. In a rational, normal world, that would have eliminated anybody with even a tinge of a pro-Putin past because you're too vulnerable on the issue of your Trump. I mean, our own intelligence agencies say that Russia and Putin helped you get elected. The last thing you're going to want to do politically is to have a secretary of state who furthers this perception that you're soft on Putin. Well, clearly, Trump didn't care about that. Because he went with Tillerson anyway. Interestingly, he went with Tillerson partially on the advice of Condoleezza Rice. Now, this didn't get a lot of publicity, but I found this to be utterly fascinating and an indication of what a complete fraud the primary campaign really was with Donald Trump. Because not only did Trump meet with Condoleezza Rice, but effectively he took her advice on his most important cabinet position, Secretary of State. She might have a conflict of interest on this, by the way, because of of money she's being paid in, in relation to her consulting business. But the reality is that during the primaries, Trump blamed the Bush administration for 9-11. Condoleezza Rice was the national security advisor at the time of 9-11. And he also has been an ardent critic, vehement critic, I believe a not a credible critic, of the Iraq War, which Condoleezza Rice was a chief proponent of. So here we have Trump, who spent an enormous amount of time in the campaign, saying ridiculous things 
which were direct condemnations of Condoleezza Rice. And yet, he ends up taking her advice, not just meeting her with her, which was amazing, taking her advice when it comes to Secretary of State. Now, normally, her word would carry a lot of weight with me. As a matter of fact, in the primaries, I wrote in Condoleezza Rice's name here in California because by that point, the race was over. There was nobody still in it. I wanted to vote for her, and it was just obviously a protest vote. I didn't know what to do, so I wrote in Condoleezza Rice. I like Condoleezza Rice a lot. So her view on this has weight with me, but not enough to make me go, wait a minute. I mean, this is really getting beyond weird. This is into the realm of scariness. And I go into this in the column I wrote for Mediate, which you can find at freespeechbroadcasting.com, about how conservatives, if they don't stand up on Tillerson, we might as well just pack it in. It's a point of no return when it comes to opposition to Donald Trump on a philosophical basis. And you know which entity articulated it perfectly? I mean, John McCain has said some good things. Marco Rubio seems to be wavering a little bit, but he said some good things. Lindsey Graham has as well. Saturday Night Live last night knocked it out of the park in a both humorous and telling fashion where they had Vladimir Putin, bare-chested and all, visit Donald Trump through his chimney and then meet up with Rex Tillerson like they were old college fraternity buddies and make a plan behind Donald Trump's back for what they were going to do while they knew that Trump, the stooge, really didn't have a clue, didn't really care what they were doing. Now, do I, do I really believe in that theory? No. But I can't say hell no. Interestingly, the Saturday Night Live sketch referred to Trump, in the words of Putin, as the Manchurian candidate, which I referred to last week, the old Frank Sinatra movie. If there ever was a Manchurian candidate, which I don't think Trump is, I want to emphasize that, but boy, I wish I could say with 100% certainty that he's not. But if there ever was one, it's the profile of Donald Trump. He said nothing but nice things about Putin. He's lied about his relationship with Putin, whether he's ever met him. He's attempted to do business in Russia, never released his tax returns. He's got a national security advisor, who Michael Flynn, who recently got an award from Putin and sat with him right next to him, dined with him. He's got a, a secretary of state who got a friendship award and has done hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars of business with the Russian government. I mean, this is, and not to mention the CIA has said that Putin himself directed and the president of the United States effectively backed up at his press conference on Friday that Putin directed Russia to influence our election on behalf of Donald Trump. I mean, you can't make this up. It's just flat out ridiculous. You just can't make it up. But that's where we are now. And interestingly, even Trump, I think, realized the political dangers of the Tillerson pick because after having hyped it for weeks, played it like a reality show, even tweeted, stay tuned to my pick on the Secretary of State. When it actually happened, 
he stepped all over it on purpose by meeting, not just meeting with, but coming down out of the tower in Trump Tower and holding a joint, I guess you'd call it a press appearance. It wasn't really a press conference with Kanye West. Kanye West. Why do you do that? You do that because you want that to be the news story of the day. And that was on the day he picked Tillerson. And it worked because the news media's a bunch of children, toddlers going after a shiny object. Obviously, Kanye West is a very shiny object. And I'll bet a lot of people who were watching Saturday Night Live didn't even know who Tillerson was. But if you get a chance, check out the, the sketch that Saturday Night Live did to open last night's program because, boy, uh, scary, funny, and potentially profound. When we come back, uh, more on this topic on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Welcome back. My name is John Sickler. This is the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. Go there for my latest columns, several of which you're definitely going to want to check out, whether it's the Tillerson pick, the Santa controversy, the fake Santa controversy in my view, and the reason why this is the last broadcast, a live broadcast for the Free Speech Broadcasting Network, all those columns at freespeechbroadcasting.com. Now, with regard to the issue of Putin and Russia hacking the election and Tillerson being the Secretary of State pick. I, I found it absolutely fascinating and so typical of this crazy, insane year of 2016 that President Obama, at his incredibly boring, way, way overwrought, way too long press conference, by the way, overhyped too. I mean, liberals thought that he was going to I think single-handedly somehow stopped Trump from being made president in his press conference on Friday. And instead, it was typical Obama, all ego and uh, all hat, very little cattle. But uh, one of the few interesting things that he did say, which was just dripping with hypocrisy, I mean, at least as hypocritical, if not more so than I am on the issue of Santa Claus now that I have a four and a half year old daughter, here was Barack Obama not only sounding like Ronald Reagan when it came to being anti-Russia, but actually invoking the name Ronald Reagan by saying that Ronald Reagan would be rolling over in his grave if he saw how the GOP was currently responding to this issue of Putin and Russia hacking into the election. By the way, sad to say, I think Obama is correct. Ronald Reagan would be rolling over in his grave. But of all the people who lack credibility to say that, I got to say that the two that first come to mind, one would be Donald Trump and two would be Barack Obama. And depending on the day, I might reverse that order. Barack Obama mocked Mitt Romney. By the way, can you imagine what Mitt Romney's mind must be like these days? Seeing Trump get elected, going through this, whether it was an act or whether it was real or somewhere in between, 
this maybe charade of him potentially being Secretary of State, and then seeing the guy who mocked him in the 2012 election for saying that Russia was our number one geopolitical foe. That's what Obama did to Romney in 2012. He actually mocked him by saying, the 80s called they want their foreign policy back. And now here we are, four years later, and Obama is the one who's anti-Russia, and the Republican president-elect is the one defending Russia against our own intelligence agencies. It's just flat out ridiculous. It's unbelievable. You can't make this up, not to mention, now most Republicans, or not most, but a huge portion of Republicans, actually have a higher approval rating of Putin than they do of any Democrat, including Obama. More on this insanity when we come back on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Welcome back. My name is John Ziegler. This is the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com, where you can check out, among other things, all of my columns for Mediate, including one I released just a couple of hours ago, which fully explains why this is the final live broadcast of the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. I'll get into some detail on the air, probably now in hour number three, uh, but if you want all the details... Now, go to freespeechbroadcasting.com and check out that column. Also, in hour number three, since it's our final hour, I'm going to, if we get any that are really compelling and worthy of being put on the air, I want to give you the opportunity to ask me any questions. I guess we'll call it a final edition of Ask John Anything. So if you have a question that you want to ask me, uh, feel free to do so via my Twitter feed, Facebook page, or my email which you can find at freespeechbroadcasting.com, and which is talk to Zig, all letters, talk to Zig, Z-I-G, talk to Zig at AOL.com. I'll do that in hour number three as well. But I want to talk a little bit about some of these poll numbers, these startling poll numbers that came out, which, by the way, played a small part in my decision this week to end this broadcast as a over-the-air radio show. We still may or may not do podcasts in the future, but I made this decision. It was my decision for a lot of reasons, as I explained in the column. But one of those reasons is that since the election of Donald Trump, there has been poll after poll, which has indicated a stunning level of support among conservatives and Republicans, not just for him, in general, which I can understand, he's a newly elected president. He just defeated Hillary Clinton. You don't necessarily have any hard core reason, although I personally think that you do. But since he hasn't taken office yet, you don't know for sure that he's going to betray you. And so, and obviously there's been no disasters under his watch because his watch hasn't started yet. So that part doesn't necessarily bother me that much. What bothers me is on specific issues how the views of Republicans and conservatives has dramatically changed for no other reason than the fact that our cult leader, and that's what this is now, folks. This has become a cult. 
Conservatism believes in nothing anymore. Republicanism believes in nothing anymore other than whatever it is that Donald Trump is pretending to believe on that day. The whims of a liberal con man who is emotionally unstable. It's a cult. It's not unlike Scientology, frankly. I see Trump as having a lot in in, uh, common with L. Ron Hubbard, the founder of Scientology. And to back up my view on this, not the L. Ron Hubbard part, but the cult part, we now have polls indicating that by huge portions, Republicans now have a far, far greater approval rating of both Russia and Putin than they did just a couple of years ago. Now, why in the world would that be? There is absolutely no substantive reason for that at all. It is nothing more than, hey, our leader, our cult leader, has now approved of Putin, therefore we shall as well. And it's not just on Russia and Putin, which is disgusting, and the fact that Putin now has a greater approval rating among Republicans than just about any Democrat nationally, including our president who has over 50% approval rating nationwide, which just shows you the deep, deep depths of our division and fragmentation, the scary depths of our division in this formerly United States of America of ours. It's really scary stuff. But then there was another poll which came out which indicates it's not just beliefs, it's knowledge or acceptance of fact. Specifically, I'm referring to the poll that came out just yesterday that 52% of Republicans think that Donald Trump won the popular vote. Even though it appears as if Hillary Clinton is going to win the popular vote officially by about 3 million votes. 3 million votes. That is more votes then in, I haven't done the actual count, but in many, many states. There are many, many states in this country that do not cast 3 million votes in total. And that's how much Hillary won the popular vote by. But Trump has said that he would have won the popular vote if the popular vote was how we determine who wins the presidency and if there weren't millions of illegal votes even though there's no evidence nor logic for either of those statements. But because Trump has said it, 52% of Republicans say, yep, he's our cult leader. He says it, so it must be true, even though the facts not only indicate otherwise, they state unequivocally otherwise. 52%. That means that over half of the Republican Party is either a group of or they're mentally ill. There's no other option. If you believe that Trump won the popular vote, I don't want to be associated with you because that is as clear a fact. It's clearly not a fact as could be. And if we can't even accept the basic facts, like, Who won the popular vote? Who won the electoral college vote? How in the world can we possibly exist as a remotely united nation? It's not possible. So to me, that was was like the 
the straw that broke the camel's back. I'm like, seriously? Seriously? Over half the Republican Party? I thought the Republican Party used to be the smart party. I used to think we were smarter than the Democrats. I really did. I, it's one of the many beliefs I had that were obliterated by reality this year. And for the record, the final totals on this election, and I know that this is a losing argument and that forever I, you know, I'll be one of those tarred with, aha, you're an idiot. You were wrong about the election. You predicted Trump wouldn't win. Well, here are the final totals. Hillary's going to win by about 3 million popular votes, and she's going to win by a solid 2% in the popular vote percentages, 48 to 46 Now, in my defense, the reason why I was, in fact, the number one reason why I was so confident that Hillary was going to beat Trump was not because I had faith in the American people being able to figure out that Donald Trump is a con man or a fraud or unqualified. No, I believe that most Americans are, in fact, idiots, imbeciles. But looking at the numbers, I never thought there was a way for Donald Trump to get over 46% of the popular vote nationwide, and there was no way for Hillary Clinton to get less than 47% of the popular vote nationwide. Guess what? I was right. Trump did not get over 46% of the vote nationwide. Hillary did not get less than 47% of the vote nationwide. Didn't happen. Yet she still lost because of a complete fluke. By the numbers, she should have won. She should have won rather easily. In fact, any other election, she would have won rather easily. But this was a perfect storm situation. And she wins Wisconsin. She wins Michigan. And she wins Pennsylvania under very fluky circumstances. If those three very close states go in the other direction, Trump loses, and I don't have to worry about being blamed for having blown this election for the rest of my life. But the core principle intellectually for why I did not think Trump could win was sound. He could not get over 46%. No one's ever won an election with that percentage in basically a two-person race. And no one's ever won the presidency losing by as much as he lost the popular vote by. Of course, 52% of Republicans don't even accept that as true, so what the heck am I talking about? I'm living in reality, and we're clearly now living in a world of fantasy, which is part of why this is the last live broadcast of the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. When we come back, uh, some more thoughts on the news of the week. Don't forget to ask me your questions via Twitter, Facebook, or email, and check out freespeechbroadcasting.com. Welcome back. My name is John Ziegler. You're listening to the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. If you go there, you can check out the extensive column I've written about why this is the final live broadcast of the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. This show will be rebroadcast on Christmas night 
hopefully you'll have better things to do than to listen to that live. So uh, this is effectively our last show in the next and final hour. Uh, in honor of that, I'll be answering as many of your questions, kind of a final Ask John Anything, uh, that I uh, deem to be interesting and relevant enough to answer via Twitter, Facebook, or my email. So make sure you uh, get those questions in in the next uh, half hour or so so we have time to uh, answer them on the air in hour number three. I'll also get to some other things in hour number three. But at freespeechbroadcasting.com, there, there are several columns that you should check out, including that one released a couple hours ago about why this is the final broadcast. And so I, I don't want to get into the all the details that you can find in that column because this is a very complex issue as to why this is the last show. But let me just address Donald Trump's... <laughs> seems silly to even reference it this way since Trump, I doubt, is even aware the program exists. But his role indirectly in why... I've decided to end this program. Number one, I was wrong about the election result, even though I still to this day believe I was right about 95% of the elements that made up the final equation. It's just that through a fluke, the final equation showed Donald Trump winning the Electoral College and losing by a large margin the popular vote. And I'm the first one to believe in accountability. I can't stand the lack of accountability in all aspects of our life. So I told you for a year that Donald Trump was not going to win unless something dramatic happened. I will say in my defense that the James Comey, FBI Director James Comey letters came close to qualifying as something major. I didn't think they did at the time. In retrospect, they clearly at least contributed, but I was wrong. And elections have consequences, and when you say something isn't going to happen, barring a major catastrophic event for over a year, and that ends up happening, guess what? Even though it's not entirely fair, I have no problem with that impacting people's view of the show, people's view of my credibility, whatever. I got no problem with that. Don't think it's completely fair, but life isn't fair. And I will, I wish we lived in a world where there was more accountability like that. And I also wish we live in a world where those who gave us Donald Trump, like Sean Hannity, who I referenced in this column, who went after me on Twitter about a week ago, which I referenced on last week's show, completely unprovoked. I wish people like Sean Hannity, who gave us Trump, would have some accountability when years from now, and I don't know when that's going to be. I don't know if it's going to be two years from now, four years from now, 10 years from now, or 20 years from now, but I'm positive that eventually we're going to look back and go, what the hell were we doing? Wow, we really blew it with that whole Donald Trump presidency thing. Can you believe we did that? Unfortunately, it'll probably be too late at that point. I hope not, but that's my, that's my guess. But by that t- the time that happens, the Sean Hannity's of the world will never experience any accountability. And those who facilitated Donald Trump's nomination and his presidency are already and will continue to be rewarded because they picked the winning horse. Doesn't matter that the winning horse was bad for the country, terrible for conservatism. I mean, horrendous. Even if Trump is fantastic for the country somehow. And by the way, I believe 
that if his luck continues, that there's a very good chance that in the first couple of years, he's going to be seen as doing better than expected. He's going to be seen as potentially a pretty good president. And of course, you know, he himself believes he's magic. With me, it's just works, you know, it's magic. So if the magic continues, I think it's going to take a while, barring some catastrophe, for his incompetence to catch up with him. And I hope that's the case. I'm still rooting for him to succeed. I just don't see how in the long run we get away with this. But there is no scenario where this doesn't at least put conservatism on its deathbed if not killed it completely, because now the Republican Party is going to be forced to support this liberal con man with all sorts of liberal policies. Hopefully we'll get a conservative replacement for Antonin Scalia, which will be a big deal if it happens and maybe worth his election, depending on how much the con- how bad the consequences are in the long run. But there's no doubt in my mind that there's going to be a huge price to pay for this but that no one will actually pay it except the country. But I'm willing to pay the price for being wrong. That's number one. Number two, the environment is such because of the polling data that I have already indicated that basically the Republican Party has become a cult where Trump is the cult leader. And so there is no space. There is, there's, there's no way for an anti-Trump conservative libertarian voice to get traction, to be able to succeed from a corporate business perspective, for this show to be able to grow from its base of station. Getting the ratings, especially once a week on a Sunday night, is next to impossible. But it's especially impossible in this environment where huge portions of the audience, the talk radio audience, doesn't want to hear this. They're part of a cult. They don't want to hear the truth about their cult. So at best, they hate you, and most of the time, they're just going to turn you off. And the corporations who run talk radio, they've already made their decision, and it's totally understandable. The audience is with Trump. The money is with Trump. So you're you're going to get pro-Trump programming. No one's going to pick this show up on a Sunday night, piss off their audience with an anti-Trump conservative host doesn't matter how good the show is how right the show is how truthful how entertaining how compelling the content does not matter completely irrelevant as i write in the column the truth which in my world you know my worldview and the way i grew up and why i pursued a career in media the truth was paramount the truth was gold for all intents and purposes And in the era of Trump, this post-truth era, gold has now been deemed to be worthless. Utterly worthless. So I have nothing to bring to the table. Because the only thing I bring to the table is my truth. My truth is not popular with the talk radio audience. It's it's popular with some slivers of of the overall population, but they're not listening to talk radio on a Sunday night. So those that are in the prospective audience don't want to hear what I have to say. So my gold is worthless in this format, on this medium. And that's not going to change. 
It's certainly not going to change fast enough for me to even theoretically, with a, with a good conscience, keep this program going so that the investors in this show can lose even more money than they've already lost on it. They want to keep going. They, they, they left it up to me. It was my decision. I said, no, there, there's no way. There is no path. There is no possible avenue for this thing to be a success or to see any light at the end of the tunnel in this Trump era. And I'm banging my head against the wall because the truth doesn't matter. Those that are listening to over-the-air talk radio on a Sunday night, they don't want to hear this message. So why bother with this? Especially when somebody else is losing money. I can't do that. I could have done it for my own ego. But contrary to popular belief, my ego is very much in check. If you lived my life, your ego would be very much in check as well. I am well aware of my own fallibilities. That's even a word. I guess vocabulary is one of my fallibilities. But if you read the column I wrote about this, it's as honest as anything you'll ever read in someone providing their own obituary for their own failures. Because I'm as objective as they come, for better or for worse, the good and the bad. So check it out. Ask me your questions for hour number three, the final hour on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Coming up next, my name's John Ziegler.